All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of What Had Happened, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly, bringing you lesser-known true crime stories. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, Hope you are all doing well and easing into 2023. So, uh, check it, double-deck it. Today's script is super heavy, so... uh, I'm just going to hurry up and say thank you to all of you for listening, coming back, telling your people. Um, I'm also going to quickly remind you to not forget to join the What Had Happened to Facebook group. We're on the Instagram. I don't tweet. No, there's a Twitter, but I don't tweet. We know this. I'm like, stop playing with me. Like, I barely gram right now. Absolutely do not snap. Sorry, girls. You know who you are. I I just don't have it in me right now. My age is showing. Um, Also, there is the email address. So if you have got anything that you want to say to me or a case that you might be interested in hearing me cover, you know, long-time listener, first-time emailer, just keep it clean. Nothing vulgar. Go ahead, all of that stuff can be found in the description box per the usual, along with all of my references. So yeah, thank you all, I love you all, welcome back. Buckle up, babies. Warning, this episode covers extreme torture, abuse, and murder of a child. Listener discretion is, is, is advised. As I tell you what had happened to a little boy who was failed by the system that was meant to protect him and the people who were supposed to love him. Today, I'll be covering the torture and murder of Gabriel Daniel Fernandez. Harg. Gabriel Daniel Fernandez was born February 20th, 2005 in Palmdale, California to Arnold Contreras and Pearl Cynthia Fernandez. Pearl was born August 29, 1983, in California to Robert and Sandra Fernandez. As a little girl, Pearl was sexually abused, witnessed domestic violence and other forms of, you know, really horribly fucked up things that a child should not take in. Um, By the age of nine, she was experimenting with alcohol. By the time she was 12... She'd moved on to experimenting with methamphetamines and cocaine. As a young woman, Pearl was gang raped um, over a course of a few days and uh, developmentally, Pearl was at the lowest functioning capacity, like throughout the various forms of her brain. So basically, like, I'm not trying to femsplain this, but like, she could function, but they were saying that, like, intellectually and across the board, she was at the bare minimum in all of those arenas. Uh, so, Gabriel was not Pearl's first child with Arnold. In fact, there were two older children that she shared with Arnold. Um, also, Arnold will not be mentioned 
often throughout the script because actually I pretty much just mentioned him and that's it because um Arnold uh was incarcerated intermittently throughout their relationship which was tumultuous as fuck um Pearl was said to be manipulative and abusive as fuck but anyways uh who in 2003 Pearl and her firstborn child a son named Ezekiel were in a car accident and because Ezekiel wasn't in a car seat and suffered a head injury Pearl began her decades-long interaction with social services the following year a relative reported Pearl for beating Ezekiel during Pearl's pregnancy with Gabriel, she vocalized her lack of connection with this third baby that she was carrying. Her second child was a daughter. Three days after Gabriel's birth, Pearl gave him to her uncle Michael and his partner David. Pearl had said that she didn't want Gabriel and that she didn't love him. In contrast with Pearl's rejection, the two new fathers doted on Gabriel, providing him with the love, attention, and necessities his mother was unable or unwilling to give him. For Gabriel's first four years of life, he had a stable home environment with his two fathers where he thrived and flourished. Throughout this time that Gabriel was living with Michael and David, Pearl had virtually, like, no interaction with the child. But Gabriel was always, like, inquisitive and inquiring about his mother. Like, listen, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. There is something about a child and its mother There's or its father. There's always that, that yearning if you are separated. And while he might not have really understood what was going on because he was so young he knew that she was his mother and that he loved her you know so during the time that Gabriel was being raised by his great uncles Pearl continued to have you know more interactions with social services in 2007, there were complaints that Pearl wasn't feeding her daughter Virginia and that she threatened to break her jaw when the child cried. In 2008, Pearl was convicted of using a weapon in a reckless manner in Texas. I don't know exactly what she did, what kind of weapon it was, but she was incarcerated for two days for that infraction. Now, aside from concerns about Pearl's ability to properly parent her older children, Robert, Pearl's father, also had strong objections about Gabriel being raised by his great uncle and lover. Now, strangely, somewhere following Gabriel's fourth birthday, someone anonymously made an accusation against Michael and David alleging abuse towards Gabriel <clears throat> and following those allegations Sandra and Robert obtained custody of Gabriel 
So this is all kind of fuzzy timeline-wise, but shortly thereafter, Pearl, pardon me, I need a sippy sip, and her older children, Ezekiel and Virginia, moved into Robert and Sandra's home. Now, Pearl had been dating a gentleman whose name was Isaro Aguirre, who was a former caregiver and a security guard for like a grocery store chain or something like that. Um, and like since before she and the children had moved in with like her parents, like or something like that, like I don't know, like there was like a weird little timeline, like she got with this guy. And it initially appeared that Pearl was getting her life in order, you know, that, like, her boyfriend was, like, a decent duder because he wasn't about that gang-gang life, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't, like, he wasn't, like, a total piece of trash, you know? He, he seemed, I mean, so I watched, oh, to my chagrin. I'm glad that I was able to watch it for context and for research purposes, but it's heartbreaking to watch uh, the documentary on on Netflix about Gabriel Fernandez's case. But uh, there's a part where Pearl's aunt is saying basically like, you know, he had a car. Like, that's where the fucking bar is. But okay, I also understand that, you know, when you deal with scrubs who don't have cars your whole life and then you meet somebody who's got a car that doesn't they don't seem what they don't seem as scrubbish okay so that was one of the finer points that they used to describe this gentleman anywho they thought that he had his shit together he seemed decent with the family everybody seemed to get along with him but sandra and robert they had their antennas up they were like leery of him you know before they knew it asaro was also living in the Fernandez family home. Now, during this time, Robert and Sandra tried to encourage Pearl to bond with Gabriel, who deeply loved her, but, like, she would totally, like, reject him. Like, bullshit. Like, he's a Pisces, I'm a Pisces. I just wish I could have, like, snuggled that little fishy because, like, I know where his, like, love language is. And it's bullshit that, like, his mother would reject him in that manner like I'm never gonna get over that kind of shit that's hurtful Mm. so who let's fast forward and now Pearl Isato and Pearl's oldest children Ezekiel and Virginia have moved into their own apartment late summer 2011 we know this because Pearl started to receive benefits, um, you know, like food stamps, things of that nature, um, because she had custody of those children and they were living in this home. During that time, Pearl and Isaro began living together, you know, with the oldest children, Pearl was able to collect those benefits and welfare assistance. It's been said that Pearl and Asaro saw the monetary benefit of having Gabriel in their custody as well. Because obviously, you know, the more children dependents, the more money that you should be able to obtain if, 
your paperwork works out because of your lack of income, finances, things of that nature. So they had to cook up this plan, right? And I mean, like, Gabriel was flourishing during this time frame that he was staying with his grandparents, especially, you know, during this last time, this last year that he was with his grandparents and his mom was out of the home. Now, it's October 2012, and Isato drove to the Fernandez home to pick up Gabriel. He gave Robert and Sandra a ruse in order to take Gabriel with him. When Robert and Sandra realized that they'd been duped and lied to, they called the L.A. County Sheriff's Department to file kidnapping charges. Now, upon investigating, L.A. County Sheriff's Department assisted in the removal of Gabriel and placed him into the custody of his mother after finding that she had filed a claim that she was concerned about the treatment Gabriel received in her parents' home. Hmm. So we're laying the foundation so that we can take claim and do what we want to do. So as officers were removing Gabriel, Robert and Sandra pleaded with them not to place him with Pearl because she had a history of child abuse. And they start like going down her little dossier, you know, like check her record for real. Like don't put him in her care. Like she didn't even want him to begin with. Like, come on, like this is ridiculous. So as soon as the front door closed behind Gabriel the first time he stepped through his mother's threshold, Pearl and Isaro began systematically abusing and torturing Gabriel. Days following the move, a call into the child abuse hotline alleging child abuse was reported. While neglect was found, uh, the children were not perceived to be in any imminent danger and they were not removed from the home. Now, when they come in there, they see that there's like a general little setup, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the living room has like basic furniture. There's a table to sit down and eat. They'll go in, they'll check your cupboards, make sure that you have food to eat um, adequately for the amount of people living in your home. When they went into the bedrooms, they saw that in this particular space, there were three beds. So there were actually two rooms, three rooms, three bedrooms, from what I could gather from crime scene photos. The boys had rooms. They each, the boys had a room that they shared with twin beds that were made up. And Virginia had a room of her own that had her own little girly decorations and bedding and things of that nature. And then... Pearl and Isaro had their own bedroom. It's funny, though, that Gabriel very seldom slept in that bedroom that he was supposed to share with his brother Ezekiel. Now, instead, he was being kept in... Okay, so let's visualize people. So imagine you've got 
I don't know, probably about like a 20 inch television screen. It's, it's a small little thing, whatever, right? It was a cupboard that looked like it was like the top part could be used as a TV stand. And then you had two doors beneath where you could store DVDs and TV cords or whatever normal people would store. Pearl and Asaro decided that that is where they would keep Gabriel most of the time that he was in that home. So anyways, back to the script. Uh, as I said, while neglect was found, the children were not perceived to be in any imminent danger. They weren't removed from the home. That same month um, was when Gabriel's first grade teacher, Mrs. Garcia, began reporting the abuse that she was seeing and that he was informing her of. Now, as you know, teachers are within the um, occupation of people that have to report. They're mandated reporters of any perceived, sensed, learned of, seen of, whatever, abuse. They have got to report it. So she does what she's supposed to do because after having a conversation with Gabriel, he informed her that he had been beaten with the metal buck a buckle of a belt and that it caused him to bleed. So now the social worker who took the report made notation of all of this and nothing happened. Following instance, Gabriel said that he was bruised in the face. Gabriel's teacher and a friend would say that while he was an excellent student, the abuse changed his demeanor. Like, he was brand new to this school. He didn't know anybody except for his siblings. You know, his mom and her boyfriend had moved him away from his family, i.e. his grandparents, his aunts, uncles, including the great aunts and uncles as well, because he also had like an aunt that was closer to, you know, his brother and sister's age range as well. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like he was, he was being separated from everyone, but you know, the teacher and his friend did notice that although he was an excellent student, the abuse was, like, beginning to show on him off the rip. Um, they also observed that the accumulating absences that would be followed by his return would normally come up, he would always show up with, like, fresh and healed bruises and scars. So, in November 2012... Gabriel's teacher reported that he had scratches and a busted lip because he stated that Pearl punched him in the face. In January 2013, Gabriel came to school with a swollen face that was covered with bruised little dots, like stippling, on his face. 
when she asked him what had happened, Gabriel kind of like exploded, you know, and told her that his mother had shot him in the face with a BB gun. Now, while that omission was alarming and distressing, Mrs. Garcia had no, she had no idea how much worse it was at home for Gabriel. Like, I mean, like, when your student comes in and says that his mom shot him in the face with a BB gun, I don't think you could think of anything worse than that. Like, but at the same time, I, I feel like you could also, like, not put anything past the abuser if they would do something like that as well. So... During the course of this time, you know, Pearl would do any and everything that she could as well to humiliate Gabriel. At home, she and Isaru would accost the young boy, yelling homophobic slurs at him as they would beat him, humiliate him, and torture him. So, Pearl was super homophobic. And, okay, so you're homophobic, but you gave your child to go live with your gay uncle and his lover. Make that shit make sense. But, okay, bitch. I said what I said. Like, I'm not holding... The gloves are off tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And because your child was breathing the same air and learning how to be a good, kind, caring human being who learned unconditional love from these two men, as well as his ABCs, his 123s, how to tie his shoes, and everything else that you didn't do. He's gay by association? Fuck you, bitch. So, she used that as an excuse, because Asaro was also, like, super machismo, and, like, so she would tell him, like, he's gay, he's gay, he's gay, he's a little... I don't want to say the other slurs, but, you know, derogatory as fuck. And so she knew he felt the same way. And so she would just throw that out there just to get Asardo ramped up so that they could beat up on this child. Like, there's no, there was no, there was no proof that this child had any whatever he was whatever it's bullshit it was a fucking bullshit excuse so when they weren't torturing him they were also like you know by beating him up and hurling these slurs sometimes pearl would dress him up as a girl in, in dresses and send him to school and if Gabriel attempted to change out of the clothes and back into his clothes, he would get beaten. Pearl and Asara would starve Gabriel and beat him. When he wasn't gagged, restrained, and handcuffed inside the cabinet portion of that TV stand, Gabriel was used as a punching bag and ashtray. His body riddled with cigarette burns, bite marks, and bruises. As if the torture at home wasn't bad enough, he would get jacked up haircuts, exposing the burns on his head. 
whenever social workers would come to Pearl's apartment to investigate the allegations of abuse that were stacking up against her, under the watchful gaze of Pearl, if Gabriel was allowed to be present, he would recant his allegations of abuse. Most times, Gabriel wasn't present when the social workers would come to pay their house calls. Pearl would normally be able to verbally finesse the social workers. She would claim that Gabriel was a pathological liar and that his bumps and bruises, you know, were easily explained away as childhood injuries amassed while doing childhood shit like falling off dirt bikes and falling out of trees, you know, kid shit. Not being a rock'em sock'em robot up against a six foot two, two hundred seventy pound man, and whatever Pearl was tipping the heights and scales with, up against a four foot one, fifty nine pound child. You know the reports would be dismissed, and they allowed. That allowed Pearl and Asaro to continue their abuse. Day in, day out, Gabriel was savagely abused at the hands of the woman he loved most and her boyfriend. When Gabriel wouldn't clean the kitty litter properly, Asaro would make Gabriel eat the litter and feces. On another occasion, Pearl got furious with Gabriel and hit him in the mouth with a bat knocking out two of his teeth. During one exceptionally cruel attack, Pearl and Asaro faced, uh, forced Gabriel into the bathtub, where they proceeded to spray pepper spray into his face. Gabriel bucked and screamed in pain, trying to get out of the bathroom, but he couldn't because they'd locked him inside. At times when Gabriel's bruises were extremely bad or visible, Asaro and Pearl would place him in a cold bath to help minimize the abuse they were doling out. During a wellness home visit in March 2013, Pearl's therapist had stated that the entire visit, you know, with Pearl was super benign. Like... And as she was getting ready to leave, Pearl was kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, super cash, right? Oh, yeah, hey, by the way, um, I found a suicide note written by Gabriel. She produced this note written by the child. I say it was under duress. I don't think that this child actually... I'm, I could be wrong, but I really don't think that this child actually wrote a suicide note. I think he wanted out, but I don't think that he, I don't think he really understood what that was. I think she instructed him to write this. That's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong, but that's just how I feel. I'm, I'm not, my spirit's not telling me that he was like writing suicide notes, like legit, legit. But 
When the therapist reported the suicide note to social services, basically she was told that since Gabriel didn't appear to be in distress at the moment, per Pearl, because, you know, Gabriel wasn't present. Pearl was there at the ready with the answers. Oh, no, he seemed fine, you know. He, he, you know, he wanted to play Legos and eat Eggo waffles. I don't know, but, you know, she tried to play the shit off. But, again, since he was, he didn't appear to be in distress at the moment, there would be no need to seek medical or mental health intervention in that moment for Gabriel. So that's yet another ball being dropped. Following that incident, Pearl ceased contact with social workers, stating that she didn't need their assistance anymore. On March 26, 2013, Gabriel's therapist submitted a new complaint. Gabriel had reported uh, once being forced to perform oral sex on an older relative, and it was not specified whether it was his mother or a sorrow or the sibling. It, it didn't specify. But when confronted, just as he had in the past, uh, Gabriel denied the allegations and recanted his statement. However, that complaint remained open. A month later, it was just around 4.30 on April 26th. 2013 when Pearl walked into the Palmdale branch of LADPSS's gain offices. So that's basically the Department of Social Services and the gain division of the Department of Social Services is where people go to apply for assistance and benefits like food stamps and Medicaid. When Pearl and the children entered the office, security guard Arturo Miranda took in Pearl's appearance, clocking her tattoos and, like, overall vibe. And I mean, hey, like, if you know that, if you know what you're looking at, you know what you're looking at. So I'm not saying he's being judgmental when, you know, he made the mental notation that Pearl was, quote, a gangster chick. Okay? Like, there's that. So when she and the children were called back to speak to the caseworker assigned to them, Arturo observed, observed the condition Gabriel was in. Arturo noticed cigarette burns on the back of Gabriel's head in varying sizes and degrees of freshness and healing. The purple-greenish discoloration of a black eye was visible. He also noticed the deep ring marks around the small boy's wrists. Arturo would say that on a scale from 1 to 10, Gabriel was at a 20. Arturo said, quote, his body was talking, yelling. He didn't really have to say anything. It was all over his body screaming for help. He knew it was abuse that he was taking in visually and he couldn't stay quiet as soon as pearl and her children departed arturo spoke with the caseworker who had just seen the fernandez tribe pardon me that really fucked me up his quote was really heavy 
Maricela Corona initially thought that uh, Gabriel had a ridiculous haircut, but Arturo immediately corrected her and told her that Gabriel had been abused. When she realized that that was in fact what she'd seen, she called her supervisor, Suzanne Harms. The supervisor informed Maricela that she was not going to approve overtime and that she was not to get involved. <sighs> Another ball dropped. So when Maricela informed Arturo that there was nothing that she could do from her end of things, like, you know, and she definitely did not want to lose her job, you know, like she had gone from b being a receptionist at the Gaines office to now being um, a domestic abuse caseworker. Well, that's the department that she worked in. She had done like a month's worth of training and things of that nature. But, you know, she had gotten promoted and she couldn't afford to lose her job. So she wasn't going to go against what her supervisor said. But she also felt that the abuse needed to be reported. So she basically was like, yo, I can't say shit, but you know what? You can do it. And, you know, like, Arturo knew that this was a HIPAA law violation obtaining, you know, Pearl's vital statistics. Like, so, you know, her name, her address, her phone number, all of that stuff. But to him, fuck it all the hell, that child needed help. And it was his responsibility to report the abuse and attempt to get that little boy some help. So... Arturo calls his supervisor initially, right? And he tells him what's going on. And his supervisor essentially told him to mind the business that pays him. Reporting alleged abuse wasn't a part of the job description. Don't get involved. You know, stop. But Arturo was like, nah, bro, fuck that shit. Again, like, right is right, wrong is wrong. I don't wear this uniform and pretend to be a security guard just for the paycheck. I wear this uniform and I do take responsibility. When I see something, I'm going to say something. So drop a clues bomb to Arturo because he was ever diligent. He then goes on to call 911 where they tell him, nah, bro, this is, you know, a non-emergency. You got to call L.A. County Sheriff's Department. So he does do that. He speaks to the L.A. County Sheriff's Dispatcher. And after reporting the abuse that he witnessed that day at the Gaines office in Palmdale, you know, Arturo asked a couple of times that they would, you know, t hey, are you sure you're going to send some deputies out to check on this boy, he really needs help. He was told yes. He was ensured that he was going to get help. You know, so Arturo felt that he had done the best that he could do and that the LA County Sheriff's Department was surely going to see what he saw and, you know, step in and help Gabriel. Hoy. So, 
in the upcoming weeks, Gabriel would finally, like, return to school. As I said before, there was, like, an ebb and flow with his attendance. Although, whenever Pearl would have visits from the social workers and things of that nature, she would always claim that he had perfect attendance. Although, you know, had they actually done their due diligence and checked in with the school, they would know that the child had been missing huge chunks of time away from school. So, Gabriel returned to school and he was now bald with a large portion of his forehead skin scraped off and healing. And the inner white of his eye on one eye was blood red. Gabriel had said that he had fallen off of a dirt bike onto the pavement and that he also had pink eye. While his teacher knew that this was the worst she and his classmates had ever seen him, Mrs. Garcia also knew that he was well into the healing phases of his injuries as he had been absent from school for 13 days. It was May 7th, 2013. And Gabriel happily and lovingly worked on a Mother's Day project at school. Although he was covered in bruises and scars inflicted by his mother, Gabriel happily posed with the letters M-O-M as his teacher took his photographs as a gift for Pearl. In his handwriting, Gabriel made coupons for extra time with his mother, helping out with chores, and a promise to be good, which was something that Mrs. Garcia said was a overall theme with Gabriel. He always wanted to be good for his mother. But that's coming from somebody who was telling him that he was bad when he was good. That's so horribly fucked up. I'm sorry. Uh, on a worksheet that asked Gabriel, you know, various questions, you know, to, for instance, you know, to describe his mother and her best qualities. He had said that he had loved her and he found her to be beautiful. His love and desire for love and acceptance from his mother was on full display as he, you know, crafted these gifts for someone who was so undeserving but who he loved unconditionally. Two weeks later, on May 22nd, 2013, Ezekiel would say that when he came home from playing, he overheard his mother arguing with Virginia and Gabriel. He said that Pearl was upset because Gabriel was playing with Virginia and her toys. Pearl began hitting Gabriel in the face before dragging him into her bedroom. Now it's kind of fuzzy because... At some point, Virginia actually ended up in the bedroom as well. 
So, shortly thereafter, Asaro followed the three into the bedroom and closed the door behind him. In this moment, when Isaro entered the bedroom and asked Pearl what Gabriel had done, she told him he asked her why she put up with Asaro's treatment. Virginia sat quietly on the edge of the bed. Isaro said hearing that Gabriel questioned him as Pearl's boyfriend, Upset Pearl. Like she's in the corner crying. Because her 8 year old. Did not say any of this shit. I promise you. He did not question. That relationship. Pearl told Asaro. What she knew was going to get him. To fly into a rage. Because she wanted him to inflict pain. On her child. Well guess what she fucked around. Found out. Here's the scientific method. This is what had happened. Isaro began beating Gabriel into submission. Gabriel's screams and thuds filled the apartment. Isaro's final punch knocked the wind out of Gabriel and he didn't get back up. When Pearl emerged from the bedroom, she instructed Ezekiel to tell the police and paramedics that he and Gabriel were playing and he hit his head. Nothing more. Nothing less. Pearl and Isaro carried Gabriel's limp and bloody body into the bathroom where they turned a cold shower on him in an attempt to revive him. Isaro yelled at Gabriel to wake up repeatedly, but he wouldn't. That's when Pearl decided to notify the authorities. Pearl then instructed Virginia to help her clean up all of Gabriel's blood that was on the floor. Asaro would tell dispatch Gabriel and his brother were playing when Gabriel slipped and hit his head on a coffee table, rendering himself unconscious. After running cold water on the boy, he still remained unresponsive. Dispatch then instructed Asaro to perform CPR in Gabriel as they waited for EMTs to respond. The first responding EMTs were in shock when they arrived to the apartment complex they were being ushered in by Ezekiel, who was 10 years old, right? Like, it's, like, dark outside, and he's flagging them down, and he's like, you gotta go upstairs to apartment number eight. So, when they, when the first responders initially arrived, Asaro and Pearl were not acting like typical parents who, like, have a child in critical danger, it was also evident that these, I use the hugest air quotes when I use this word, that the parents had not attempted to perform CPR as there was no blood on their faces, mouths, or cheek regions, you know, from where they would be like breathing air into his mouth and then like checking his airwaves and all that other stuff. So initially the responders had no idea what they were looking at. So, Gabriel lay wet and naked on the bedroom floor. There's no room in there, and the responders are moving in their equipment. So, Asaro is instructed to bring Gabriel into the living room. 
as they were unloading their equipment. When Gabriel was moved into the living room, he was in cardiac arrest. um, And so they began performing CPR. At first, it was thought that Gabriel suffered from some sort of weird skin condition. But as they were working on Gabriel, they began noticing all of the trauma on his body. While Gabriel is being stabilized for transfer to the ambulance, Pearl and Isaro were not concerned or upset. Pearl was said to be concerned about the whereabouts of her her older children, but more importantly, she was concerned about her fucking cats. I said it. She didn't want them caged up. Oh, I'm sorry, bitch, what? You mean like how you kept your eight-year-old son for eight fucking months? You don't want your fucking cats caged up because you know you're about to get hemmed up for some serious shit that y'all did to your son, but y'all kept your son in something that couldn't fucking house two fucking Christian Louboutin boxes. What the fuck? Look, I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry. That, that just the irony of it all. Takes me back to that Parasite episode when the young man was outside from Kansas was like outside playing with like the family dog when he stumbled upon his family being murdered. Yeah, the it speaks volumes. <sighs> Anywho, Asaro and Pearl also made numerous comments about Gabriel being dirty and a liar, stating that nothing he said could be believed and that he was gay. Which all of this shit was like jarring as fuck. Because they're like, wait, what? Like, the baby's not breathing and you guys are calling him a dirty, lying gay? What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, But they put that in the back of their heads. So, it's also said that during the time that Gabriel was being transferred to the hospital, neither Pearl nor Asaro were being held by police nor were they being prevented from riding in the ambulance with Gabriel. However, neither did so. Now, they were, like, you know, like, separated because they were both, like, the super aggressors in that environment. And so they needed to separate them to try to figure out what was going on. But in that moment, when Gabriel was being transferred to the hospital... There was nothing keeping Pearl or Asuro from traveling to the hospital with this child. They chose not to. (sighs) So it wasn't until Gabriel was admitted to the hospital that the totality of the systematic torture he endured for eight months was, you know, brought to light. Now, May 23rd, The day after this fatal attack, Pearl and Asaro were arrested for... Pearl was arrested for federal child endangerment and Asaro was arrested for attempted murder. Gabriel would lie in a coma for two days before it was decided to remove him from the ventilators keeping him alive. And so he was pronounced dead on May 24th. Following Gabriel's death, Pearl and Asaro were both charged with first-degree murder with special circumstances of torture. 
when Gabriel's autopsy was performed. <sighs> Let's see here. This is what we found. His stomach contents consisted of cat litter and fecal matter. Gabriel suffered from a depressed skull fracture, subdermal hematoma resulting in bleeding inside of his head due to blunt, uh, blunt force trauma, cigarette burns on his head and body, ligature marks on his neck, burns and scars on his face, ligature marks on his ankles, a half inch laceration above his penis, Scrape marks on the top of his feet, two missing teeth, a burn on the palm of his hand, belt buckle scars, black eyes, three bilateral fractured ribs of various ages which caused him severe pain every time he drew breath, BB pellets in his lung and groin, malnourishment, dehydration, and stress atrophy of the thymus gland. So at the time of his autopsy, let's talk about this thymus gland real quick. Gabriel's thymus gland was shriveled thin and weighed a meager 10 grams due to prolonged stress, whereas a healthy thymus gland found in an eight-year-old child is normally plump and it's white and it lies um its upper chest ribcage sternum area and it normally weighs between 35 to 50 sometimes topping in at 100 grams it took two days to conduct gabriel's autopsy so that every single one of his injuries could be documented properly after the autopsy was concluded, it was decided that Gabriel's death was caused by sequelae of blunt force trauma and child neglect. Sequelae meaning the consequences of prolonged abuse without seeking medical attention over the course of weeks or months and the manner of death was homicide. When the details of Gabriel's eight months of terror at the hands of his mother and her boyfriend began to make the rounds in the news, it became abundantly clear that there were various levels of culpability involved in the torture and murder of Gabriel. The two social workers who were involved in the cases surrounding Pearl and Gabriel and their supervisors were accused of neglecting Gabriel and falsifying records. So those four were like under the gun for a minute. Now, following reports made by Gabriel's teacher, Mrs. Garcia, the social worker was said to have not followed up and sought medical attention for Gabriel. Like, especially like when she was like, yo, he got shot in the face with a BB gun. Like that kind of shit. Okay, so that, that had happened. And whenever she personally made house calls, she never actually saw Gabriel, and her interaction was always with Pearl. The wheels of justice grind slowly, and it took time to build the cases against all of these players in, you know, basically allowing eight months of systematic torture, abuse, 
and subsequently murder to occur at the hands of Pearl and Asaro. So it took a while for the case to be built against Pearl and Asaro, who were initially, they were going to be tried together. But, like, each time they would appear in court, like, Pearl would hurdle insults across the courtroom at Asaro, calling him a liar and, like, a murderer. Takes one to know one. And, uh, like, the funny thing is, is it was like this, like, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department was like, you know what, I feel like the two of them are really trying to get their, like, story together. So... When Pearl and Asaro were held at the Antelope Valley Courthouse lockup, which is like in the basement, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department set up recording devices and made sure that the two of them were going to be like in adjoining cells because they just knew that they were going to get some juicy, juicy conversation between Pearl and Asaro. So while the recording uh, device failed to operate in Isaro's cell, Pearl's worked just fine. The recording device caught Pearl inquiring as to what Isaro had told police about Gabriel's injuries. Pearl said, quote, Babe, did you say it was an accidental death? Like she repeated that like three or four times. Did you say it was an accidental death? Did you say it was an accidental death? Do you know why they got that murder charge on me? It's because you said I was inside the room. And I said, no, I was not there. I wasn't inside the room. That when I went inside the room, it was in the beginning to put sweats on. Then me and Virginia went into the living room. Pearl continued, but they just don't, they just don't know about the torture part. They're like, how in the hell did he get this? How in the hell did he get that? And, you know, I was like, he admitted that he fell off his fucking dirt bike. Remember that time he fell off his dirt bike? Babe, remember? Remember the time he fell off his dirt bike? Now, after basically coercing him into, like, going with this this strategy and this is the story we're supposed to stick to the conversation then switched from their alibis and the story that they needed to you know tell the police to a sexual nature where pearl basically started working her charms even harder with asaro by asking him to you know imagine some of their past sexual escapades Involving stuff. I don't really want to repeat the nasty shit she said. Anywho, upon their arrest, evidence was gathered and processed, which included Pearl and Asaro's text messages, which discussed the tortures they were implementing on Gabriel, you know, over the course of months. Uh, technicians also went through the apartment and labeled all of the blood and biological matter that they believed to be Gabriel's. They also confiscated two baseball bats, BB guns, and various items used to keep Gabriel restrained, including the cabinet. Now, it was said that Gabriel was kept in that cabinet 
at night. He was kept there a lot during the day. Uh, he was forced to use the restroom in that confined little space. He was forced to clean up his 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 bathroom accidents and sleep in his filth. There were times when his siblings would try to squeeze food through the little uh, exposed slot. So there's like a little sliver of space where the handcuffs, there was a little bit of slack and they would try to, you know, slide food to him. Uh, you know, they confiscated a lot of stuff. And one of the most jarring pieces of evidence was seeing all of those yellow and red pieces of colored tape to indicate places where blood and bodily fluids that belonged to Gabriel, that were later identified as belonging to Gabriel, were identified within the apartment. So, Isara was the first to stand trial, and that wouldn't come until September 2017. He sat there quietly, like the stoic boogie monster that he was. He showed no sense of remorse. He showed no sense of feeling as the district attorney's office laid out their case you know his defense really tried to paint the picture of someone who was an a-okay guy whose former employers and co-workers thought he was swell and then he got with that wretched woman pearl and whoopsie doodles now we're here well took a little bit of finessing because there was one juror that initially was not swayed with the premeditation portion of the case. He didn't think that Asaro showed premeditation, that this was a heat of passion case, and so therefore he did not, he, he, he didn't need first degree, none of that. So, finally they get him swayed, and by finally... You know, it's November 14th and the jury have begun these deliberations. Like, the trial took essentially two months, all right? It's a lot of evidence. A lot of evidence. I think there was 1,200 pieces of evidence that were entered. And so the following day, after speaking to this juror and convincing him that Asaro did in fact you know, premeditatedly commit murder, the jury found Asaro guilty of both first-degree murder and the special circumstances of torture. On December 11th, 2017, the jury deliberated on the penalty phase. Initially, the jury was deadlocked, but on December 13th, 2017, they delivered the sentence of death to Asaro. Knowing that Asaro was now going to be executed, 
Pearl entered a plea of guilty on February 15, 2018. As a part of a plea deal to avoid the death penalty, um, you know, she was like, yo, I did it. Now, lock me up and throw away the key, but don't take my life. Like, I'm gonna die here, but y'all ain't, y'all ain't taking me out. So, having accepted Pearl's guilty plea, she was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. When she was given the ability to address the court at her sentencing, four months later, Pearl said, quote, I want to say I'm sorry to my family. I want to say I'm sorry for this, what happened. I wish Gabriel was alive. Every day I wish that I had made better choices. I'm sorry to my children. And I want them to know that I love them. And I hope one day they will forgive me. And I hope one day they will come to their senses and come to me. I wish Gabriel's... I wish I could have saved Gabriel. And I just want to say thank you and God bless everybody. Hmm. Come to their senses. That's what stands out. I mean, a lot of it, it's all whatever, but that, this part that really stands out to me. Um, following Pearl's sentencing, the judge also addressed the court and he said that this was something that he very seldom did. And, you know, especially since he'd been on the bench for 20 years he had really worked hard to try to keep his thoughts and comments to himself. However, he felt he needed to address the court given the magnitude of this case. You know, the judge referred to Gabriel as a kind and gentle boy who only wanted love and it was unimaginable the pain he endured during the eight months he was with his mother and her boyfriend. The judge told Pearl and Asaro that he hopes that they wake in the middle of the night thinking of the pain that they inflicted on Gabriel and that it would haunt them for the rest of their days. In 2020, the charges brought against the four social workers, i.e. the two social workers and their two supervisors, were dropped citing failure to uphold their duties and remove Gabriel from his mother's custody did not constitute criminal liability for child abuse. Nine sheriff's deputies were also reprimanded internally for not properly investigating the abuse allegations made against Pearl and Asaro. Unfortunately, uh, two weeks... I think it was like two weeks following the murder of Gabriel. There was another case and another case. You know, it just, just continues. So what had happened is this. Gabriel was dealt a rough hand off the rip because his mother was not a mother. I use that term so 
flippantly and loosely when describing Pearl. I'm gonna tell you something. My dad used my dad told me this a long time ago. He said to me, he said, you know, some animals eat their young. And I kinda was like, wait, what? I couldn't comprehend it as a mother. But my dad told me, he's like, you know, some animals eat their young. Meaning some people are not parents to their children. Some are straight savages. Some will throw them to the wolves and some will sacrifice them themselves. Some will abuse them for monetary gains. Some will torture them. Abuse them. Break them down. Um... So there's that. His mother was not capable of being a mother. Now, that that is because of her that may be in part due to her her mental insufficiency uh insufficient. Yeah, she was deficient like I don't know, whatever. She had mental issues. She was on the slower side of they said that she stopped attending school in eighth grade or somewhere along those lines like yeah it was like she was very young so they say all of this but i think that she was smart as shit and cunning as fuck at least street smart she knew how to work the system. She knew how to hustle men. She knew how to get what the fuck she wanted and how to get what the fuck she needed, how and when, and didn't give a fuck by any means necessary. Okay? So where she may have lacked being able to recite Shakespeare, Thoreau, Tennessee Williams, Mark Twain, she knew how to hook and crook. So there's that. So I don't think that she was really that bananas in pajamas. Yeah, she, some fucked up shit happened to her for sure. For sure she was abused. For sure she witnessed a lot of shit that she had no business witnessing. And she partook in substances, you know, um, across the spectrum. She hung out with unsavory characters and did unsavory shit. But I don't think that, you know, you know, with all of that being said, she was troubled. And I think initially her giving Gabriel to her uncle was the best thing that she could have ever done for that young man. As a baby, he had everything that he needed, you know. And and they provided him with everything he needed in his most formative years as a baby and a toddler, you know, up to age four. This is the most, I mean, like, I think back on my own children. That was when they were so fucking dope, bro. Like, they're cool now, but, like, watching them, like, 
learn and explore and like really start to like take off and like have their own little personalities and identities oh my goodness like my middle was a sassy little one so like she hated the doctors and then like doc mcstuffins became like the thing that was a part of the disney junior crew and it was right at the perfect time for her so like once we got her that little doctor's jacket she had like a little white coat her little stethoscope her little doctor's bag let me tell you something that little sassy kid would stroll up in there with sunnies on a purse her doctor's bag her lab coat and an attitude and she wouldn't give her doctors a single ounce of hell any longer because now they were colleagues what's the prognosis she would say to him you know like that's the best and the fact that like you know he got to spend that time with his great uncles was great you know um i'm not going to speculate as to who made the allegations against the uncles but that is basically where i believe that everything started to disintegrate for gabriel because it felt like to me it was like the closer pearl could get to him once she realized that she was missing out on some extra monies by having gabriel you know within her custody she started to figure out how to reel him in closer so first he's staying with her great uncle and his partner for the first four years next someone calls in an an allegation of abuse and now gabriel is staying with her parents whoops now she and her older two children are also in the same home with gabriel so now she's in his presence and he has like his eyes on his mom he can smell his mom he can hear his mom you know what i mean like this kid is getting some interaction there he's getting comfortable in her presence because she was never around so when she leaves and then all of a sudden says that she thinks that he's better suited with her and his siblings he felt a little bit comfortable uh i also feel that pearl targeted him as i said begin again because with the taunts i don't know that she in her heart of hearts felt that her child was a homosexual but she absolutely used his kind and sweet overall disposition and demeanor against him to bully him she then weaponized everything that that just represented gabriel and she turned it against him she allowed her boyfriend to see how she was able to how she you know would disrespect reprimand and discipline her child so now he felt comfortable and she was giving him she was giving him permission so now he has carte blanche to take in because she's saying oh he's gay he's this he's that little girl little punk little sissy beat his ass da 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 and she's over there like the little fucking flavor flav hype bitch hyping her six foot two 270 pound boyfriend into picking on and mercilessly beating and tearing apart a four foot 159 pound child 
make that shit make sense. And she's taking it, she's taking part on this too. They're both guilty as sin. Guilty as fucking sin. And projecting all sorts of vitriol on this child. But the one thing that they couldn't break, and I think that this was pissing them off, was they couldn't break his fucking spirit. He was still a good little boy. You know, I think it was bullshit how they they turned Gabriel being a truth teller into Gabriel's a liar. So that was the narrative that was spun amongst the family. His siblings would have to parrot these lies that were concocted by their mother uh, uh, you know about his about their brother. Pearl was the fucking liar. Gabriel was the tooth was the truth teller. The only time that Gabriel was a liar was when he would have to recant what he said because every time somebody came to that house, Gabriel would end up telling his teacher, whenever somebody comes to the house, I get my ass beat more. So please don't go snitching no more. Like I thought it was going to be helpful, you telling the social worker, but every time the social worker lady comes to my house, I get the bricks beat off of me even worse. Please, please, please do less, say less. You know? Now I also believe that the social workers although they are heavily overloaded with cases they were guilty of failing Gabriel at every fucking turn by not following protocol and guidelines let alone fucking common sense if you've been a social worker for like 20 years and you think it's okay not to lay eyes on the party who is stating that their mother shot them in the face with a BB gun. Maybe you might not want to work as a social worker. Maybe you might want to work as a librarian. Maybe you might want to work at the local nursery. Taking care of gladiolas and mums and shit. <laughs> But you absolutely don't need to be working with children and families, excuse me, that are in crisis and peril. Now, I feel that the example needed to be made of these social workers, just so that within the occupation, people start to take more responsibility and culpability for the people that they represent and the work that they do, the reports that they file, you know, making sure that I's and T's are dotted and crossed appropriately, making sure that wellness checks are made appropriately within a certain amount of time. Making sure that when the hair on the back of your neck stands up when you walk out of that apartment door, that you make a notation that maybe you might want to do one more random follow-up. Just to double-check to make sure that everything is all systems go. Because, see, 
it really hurts knowing that between the eight months that Pearl and Isaro had custody of Gabriel, there were only two adults. Three. Okay, so when they took, when uh, Pearl had gotten custody, and I didn't mention this earlier in the script, when Pearl had gained custody of Gabriel, one thing she did make sure she did, she did do was to minimize Gabriel's interaction with her parents. And so they only saw him two to three times in that eight month time frame that, you know, he was living with his mother. And that last time that he saw his grandfather, he had begged his grandfather to let him stay because he said he wanted to come home. And his grandfather told him that the case was open and that, you know, he promised him, you know, as soon as the case is closed and everything, you know, you know, we'll get you back here, Poppy, all this other stuff, you know. And it broke his heart that the promise was never held up. But, you know, they separated this child. So the only people that really were able to be allies for him were his first grade teacher and the security guard uh, at the Gaines office who knowingly broke the law to try to get help for Gabriel because he sensed that the child was in his last days if he continued to stay in the custody of his mom and whomever. A very sad story. I really have a hard time talking about the child abuse and torture and things of that nature. Really, really hate it as a mom, as a human being. Um... But it was very important, I feel, that we keep Gabriel Fernandez's story alive so that we can be proper allies in the world. If you see something, fucking say something. I'm sorry if I see a little kid getting yoked up like super duper hardcore deluxe and the kid is like they broke this child that is one of the many things that I said in my home as I was cursing up a blue streak whilst working on this script like they literally broke this child from head to toe for no fucking reason no reason at all And so it's very important that this child's story be told so that we can prevent other children from being subjected to this kind of heinous abuse. Well, y'all, it's been a doozy. I'm Kimberly. I'm going to uh, sign off and hit you with some of that beautiful outro music. Good night, and I shall return very soon with some more lesser-known 
true crime story for you. Have a good night.